for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Ali Shilton. I'm Steffi Bonnet on today's show. Uh, Maisie. Mm. I catch up with Lee Cooper, the director of an upcoming documentary on her. Uh, all will be revealed a little bit later on. Uh, a news extra with a lovely Terry. Our deeper dive into the news topics. Uh, all that and more coming today, right here on Shout Out. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> oh, a duet. How sweet. <laughs> well, none of us did it last week, did we, if you recall? Making up for, making up for the lost. So, Terry, lost on today's show, you're deeper diving. <laughs> so it we, says will be, we will be uh, looking at a few stories, or a couple of stories, whatever, whatever fills the time that we have left at the Tom, end of the show. Tom, really Tom Daly. Yes. Tom Daly and Speedos. I don't know. <laughs> And that last time we we discussed things, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's the Islamic New Year on uh, tomorrow night, I believe. Oh, right. Tomorrow night oh, is Saturday okay. night. So uh, if you're celebrating, all yeah. LGBTQIA happy, Muslims, happy New Year, happy uh, and those that are so not LGBTQ as well. No. So and, yes. would there be fireworks and stuff and? Parties and well, there are in some countries, yeah, but it's not a holiday over here, of course. So, no. uh, but uh, yeah, there'll no. be events taking place. I'm sure plenty of people yeah. will be marking well, it. Well, I haven't been invited to any parties. You know, that would be, that would no, be we, could have two, we could have two New Year's a, a year. There we are. So that, that, it would be amazing if, if because we are quite a diverse culture in the UK, mm. and, and if we actually did celebrate all the holidays for all of them. We'd probably be on holiday more than we wouldn't. It'd be great. That's the spirit. <laughs> well, That's we'd be partying like all the time. <laughs> Bad news for me and Terry, because me and Terry, you historically do, at the five-year New Year show. So we were doing everybody's New Year. <laughs> Five-hour programme, yes. Yeah. Yes, Chinese yes, New Year, Islamic New Year. Jewish <laughs> uh, New Year. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Well, what's ours called? Christian one. <coughs> it's, it's, well, no, it's not Christian, is it? it well, it's, it's a secular New Year. I mean, it's, it's, it's observed by lots of people. Yeah. But uh, January the 1st has not always been the start of the new year. I mean, in the Middle Ages, it was March the 25th. Was there a reason why it was March the 25th? I don't know. I'll have to look that up. But uh, it certainly was. We still, of course, we still start the the financial year on April the 1st, which is a hangover from the Middle Ages when Ah, when the new year started on Lady Day, which was March the 25th. Oh, I thought it was to do with giving them enough time to get all the stuff after Christmas and New Year. (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't. (laughs) This show is so full of good information. Yeah, it's great. Lots of info on (laughs) it. And of course, the uh, the Tavistock bad news about that. Should we talk about that later? I think um, that will in be news, man. So, so we will be chatting so about that later. Yes, absolutely. Breaking so, news today. Yes. Well, news here in Bristol as well. Um, if you've been following along, you probably know that the council <coughs> was due to vote on um, whether we keep uh, some of the licensed venues in in um, Bristol or not. Because mm. um, I think traditionally there's been three um, allowed: the two in the centre and one in, in Old, Old Market. Market. Although the one in Old Market, I believe, is currently closed. Mm. Um, and there was fears that um, it was that they were going to say take that from three down to zero. Mm. 
um, but from what I heard fleetingly on my way here um, thank you to the husband because he shouted at me as I was running out the door um, it was a 10 to 1 vote in favour of keeping them keeping them open yeah um, which I know a lot of people would be very 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 glad about because um, you know um, it serves a purpose it serves a very good purpose and it, it stops these kind of things having to be done behind closed doors or on the on the streets which is not safe at all so yeah maybe they should think about also opening drugs shops and legalizing drugs and see how well, that that's goes. a whole other issue isn't say, it yeah. but but you know i mean there is a charity in Bristol called, uh, there's a charity in Bristol called transform which has got a long history of campaigning for reform of the drugs yeah. laws yeah. to say you know the war on drugs hasn't worked and we should be able to treat people as patients rather than as criminals mm. and if we legalise yeah. drugs yeah. In fact, funny, funny enough on the one o'clock news earlier I was watching <coughs> on the BBC they were saying Scotland's still got quite a, a real issue with drugs in certain areas yeah. um, um, and they're, they're, they're trying to do that kind of reform um, to help and they have got um, um, centres I'm not sure we've had them here in Bristol or not as well but they've got centres where you can go you know if you are addicted to drugs where you can get things like clean needles to stop the spread of other yeah. things oh, we, we have yeah. We have group. I mean, the Bristol Drugs Project, um, based in yeah. Bristol, I obviously. They, yeah. I guess they do that's everywhere stuff. available, um, isn't it? Th- there's lots of clean yeah. needle exchanges. I wonder as if well. they get rid of like guns off the streets and gang fights, and because like there so, wouldn't be you? anything for them to fight over. No turf, because it'd all be legalised and controlled by the government. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like pharmacies. I guess so, and, and yeah. you know, some countries have had experiments in that, like the Netherlands and Portugal are two. Yeah, that spring I, to mind. I would like to years. see two people, for, like the for and against, and actually listen to both yeah. sides of the argument and see which way that it falls. Mm. You know, we'll have to get them on. Have very, to get very, guests on. Yeah, there's a lot of personal feeling in it too. Yeah, you know, um, I, I'd rather know the science. You know what, what yeah. actually yeah. works. You know, if you if you make uh, we all know if you make something illegal it makes it tempting to people yeah. um, and expensive uh, yes <laughs> and and certainly where drugs are concerned very dangerous yeah. as well because you can think you're doing something yeah, very minor and it can actually yeah. be something really really harmful yes and they're cut with lots of different yeah. Yeah. Uh, there must be substitutes out there as well that are, aren't quite as harmful well they banned those too didn't they they were called legal highs if you recall mm-hmm. and they brought in a blanket ban on anything that yeah. was like Don't they try and get type. people off it by methadone yes, well that's, 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 heroin, that's yeah. specific to heroin yeah, yeah. 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 methadone yeah. Is, is prescribed um, yeah. so maybe they could come up with alternatives to other drugs maybe that, yes of course and yeah. of course some people are high functioning you know on, yes, on, on drugs and, and you know uh, use, them as part, use, yeah. use them as part of their recreational life which yeah. who, who are we to judge mm. you know if you're you know um, in London you know on the party scene there's lots of people that take mm. uh, heroin and things like that and it doesn't cause a problem for them they don't you know spiral out of control or mm. things like that that's, yeah. that's another thing don't, don't, but, uh, don't, doesn't don't, don't try it if you, if don't you, try it but the, I mean no. these things are issues obviously no, that, there's, there's, uh, also, there's also a huge unfortunately there's also a huge issue with um um, um, that kind of culture of having sexual intercourse on drugs as well. Well, there's the whole cool. chem sex yeah, chem scene sex. in London amongst. It's not just certain, London; it's all over the country. Yeah, well, amongst. I mean, some gay and bi men in particular yeah. use that kind of scene. But again, you know, it's important not to judge. And if you do want advice, contact, talk to Frank, which is the government's own non-judgmental drugs helpline. Mm. Or call LGBTQ switchboard. Yes, indeed. in London, and they'll be able yep. to point you in the right direction. Yep. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, um, lovely Pat show coming up. Um, got Maisie 
talking about. We have Maisie Meats, um, her American counterpart, who Mm -hmm. is supposedly the oldest drag queen in the world. And um, I spoke to, and Ez did, uh, spoke to Lee Cooper, who's the director of a new documentary, specifically about Maisie. Wow. Um, But they did get this this drag queen over from the States, who is the oldest drag queen. And uh, there is a little bit of friction, but it's all in the interview. Cool. Well, that's coming up very shortly. Stay with us. Um, You're listening to Shatter. Back in a minute. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Light up the night. Jamie Mm. Berry, that one. Nice bit of swing. Nice bit of let. Yeah, is it called electro swing? Mm. Oh, still, no, it was, right, wasn't yeah. it? it was a couple yeah. of years ago, it was electro swing. It was everywhere. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. we had a Eurovision entry one year that was very, very electro, electro swing. swing. Yes, yes, you're right. I was around when the original swing was out. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that old. No, right, right no. Right. no. <laughs> you're just teasing us. So, teasing yeah, us. Yeah, yes. I, um, I, yeah, I kind of like that style of music. It's really cool. There's a, there's a real market for it. Mm. There's a real market mm. for it. You know, there are radio channels on the internet that play all that kind of 20s, 30s, 40s music. Um, I, 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 won't, I won't, won't lie, I'm not ashamed by it. I Shazam all the time. You know, if I hear something on TV, I'm like, I really like that. I'll just hit Shazam. It's a, it's Shazam. a good little app, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what I found, found tracks like that. It's, it's quite cool. Yeah. Sorry if you're listening on the podcast. We'll have edited most of it out. So <laughs> just that's copyright law yeah, for you. Yeah, that's copyright law. Anyway. Yes, on to Maisie uh, that I was talking about just now. Um, me and S caught up with Lee Cooper. Now, there's some people that make headlines, some people that stand up in history. One of those is Maisie, and I've got the director of an upcoming documentary about that person. Lee Cooper joins us shout out. Welcome, Lee. Hi there. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Now, give us a bit of background to what gave you the idea to do this documentary about this special person. Uh, I've been a massive fan of drag in all its forms uh, for a long time. And I'm fortunate enough to live in Brighton, where we've got a fabulous um, drag scene. And Maisie is obviously a bit of a local legend. So um, when I was first introduced to David, I thought he'd be a brilliant person to learn more about. Um, and certainly had a fabulous story to tell. He certainly does. When and how did you first meet? Was it just, ra- you know, a random evening at a drag event or was there something it in particular? It was actually, yeah, yeah. I was introduced by a friend, so it, it was quite quite fortunate. Um, David's a bit of a diva. He's, <laughs> he's, he's earned that, you know, he's been performing for over 50 years now. So um, he's quite diva-ish when we met. But yeah, he was absolutely fabulous, uh, very generous with his time. And just an all-round lovely guy to spend time with. That sounds, that sounds like a really li- nice way to meet and a really lovely way to, to start up a friendship. Is it a friendship that has sort of uh, deepened over time and then this conversation? How, d- how did it start? Did you bring it up about the film? Um, yeah, I was actually um, studying film at the time. And part of my, my um, course was actually to create a documentary. So I was looking for ideas when when we actually um, got into this. Um, and David was is just such a wonderful performer. And obviously, he's got this long history. So I just said to him, look, can we interview you? Can we can we get to know you a little bit on camera? And, you know, like a lot of drag performers, he was very, very up for it. 
Amazing. So does the, um, tell us a little bit about the film. Does it follow a certain amount of time within his life? Does it go back and tell, you know, his story from 50 years ago? How, how have you sort of pieced together the documentary? It's, um, sadly, a lot of queer history wasn't documented back in the day. And when David was first out and performing, the scene was very underground. So mm-hmm. there wasn't an awful lot of archival footage. So out of necessity, really, it became more a day in the life of um, David Raven and Maisie Trollette rather than the life of. But we definitely touch on some of some of the history there. But it was much more about following David and his daily routines, really, and watching him perform on stage, of course. That must have painted a really interesting picture of what drag is and also what it means for the for the artist uh, to dedicate so many years of your life uh, to something makes it seem to me that there must be a real passion um, and dedication. It, it is an art form. I, I, I've been lucky enough to see a lot of drag performers live and some of my most favourite uh, performances have been sort of the smaller venues, um, those that are more unknown to me rather than the really big names. And it sounds like he's really been on quite, quite an incredible journey to really want to keep going as well. Absolutely. I mean, David was a trailblazer, really. Um, you know, he was performing in the 70s before it was even a thing. And the other thing that um, David and Jimmy, his his performing partner, um, brought to the scene really was singing live. David's, you know, a really good singer. Um, and at the end of our film, he belts out, if I never sing another song, and it's, it's quite magical. Um, so I think he really enjoys performance, but also he enjoys singing live. That's a, That's a very big part of it. I think singing live does bring um, a depth to to drag. That I, I love lip syncing. Don't get me wrong, but Absolutely. but when you see artists <laughs> <laughs> who really are again, it's that that extra level of um, passion. I think um, if if they're good at it and can really bat out a number, I think it connects. Uh, it allows them to connect with the audience in, a, in, a, in an even deeper way, in a different way, um, maybe. Um, and there's, are there certain songs that he prefers performing? Does he have a, a set list? Does it change every night that he goes? on he's got such a long you know long history and such a big back catalogue of you know big broadway tunes that he knows you know inside out and back to front so it it can it can change all the time um but obviously if i never sing another song is his torch song now i think he likes to like to finish a lot of his shows with that does he did he work as well as do drag? Was this something that he sort of absolutely loved sort of doing at the weekends? Is it something that's taken up a huge part of his life? How was that all for him sort of forty odd years ago? I mean back in the day he's done every job. I think he's he's been a greengrocer, he's worked on the on the meat counter in Selfridges, but um I think quite quickly, once he started performing in London in some of the you know the big old venues like the Black Cap and the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, um, it, it quite quickly became a full-time profession. And, you know, he's, he's been able to make a very successful career and living out of doing drag full-time. Fantastic. I can imagine that it must be quite surreal to go from a meat counter in Selfridges to on the stage <laughs> belting out some quite incredible classics. Well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> does he still do regular shows? Is this something that he does every weekend still? Uh, David's now uh, 88, so he's he's getting, you know, he's he, he's not a spring chicken, he would tell you. Um, but he's still, so he doesn't perform as often as he did, 
but I, I believe he's got a big headlining spot at Brighton Pride this year. So he'll be um, front and centre as he should be. Absolutely. How exciting. Brighton Pride. Well, I've never been, but I'd love to go. So, um, Lee, you've... Um, sorry. Lee, you have somebody very special coming across from the States who is actually um, down as the oldest drag queen in the world? Yes, Walter Cole. He's officially the Guinness World Records oldest performing drag act in the world. Wow. <laughs> get, that, get that title right. <laughs> so um, he performs as Darcel and he has his own show bar out in Portland, Oregon. And we were fortunate enough to get the two living legends to meet. So the, um, the, the, uh, the pageant queen from um, America came over to the UK and met our Panto Dame for the very first time on camera. And let's just say a few sequins flew. <laughs> really? <laughs> there's definitely some, there's definitely some um, gentle professional rivalry, let's just say. Okay. Can you tell us more details? <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they met over afternoon tea, which was absolutely wonderful. And they were sharing their stories and experiences, which was quite, quite lovely to be part of. But David, ever the performer... Um, quite quickly started running circles around Walter. And I don't think Walter quite understood the UK sense of humour. So um, David was having a bit of a field day. That is usually a problem, isn't it, with Brits and um, Americans? Uh, the sense of humour is very different. The Brits can, can be, be so sarcastic <laughs> and the Americans just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, Paul Walter didn't have a clue, thankfully. But he was absolutely great. They were both brilliant on camera. And yeah, it was it was really magical to have them both in the same room. They met over afternoon tea in the afternoon as Walter and as David. And then in the evening, they met on stage for the first time as Maisie and Darcel. How wonderful and how creative to get those moments captured on screen, that, that those first meets and two very different meets, seeing them out of drag and then seeing them in drag. And to get both of those as, as that first time hello um, must have been quite, quite something and, and potentially taking each other's breath away by their fabulousness, I can imagine. <laughs> yes, they were. It was um, there was a lot of fabulousness that night, um, but it, it was great. It was just lovely to hear them share their stories, um, and also to see the different styles of drag mm. performance. Because David, you know, comes from the long panto tradition in the UK and sings live, and Walter obviously comes from the pageantry US tradition of lip syncing. So the two of them together, it's really interesting seeing the do the two different art forms on stage at the same time did he lip sync for his life he certainly did i <laughs> think um, at one point he actually requested a mic i think he felt the pressure a little bit <laughs> to um start singing live because um because Maisie, aka da uh, david rather had been sort of gently ribbing him in the afternoon <laughs> saying that he you know he didn't sing live but obviously lip syncing is, is an art form of its own oh Absolutely. It absolutely is. Does David ever lip sync or is everything that he, he does in drag live? Good grief, no. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have my guts for guards if I was to say that. Yeah, no, he, 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 he's, he's a really good singer and, it, and I think he really enjoys it. So, yeah, his, his thing is, has always been singing. And I'm guessing you've uh, obviously seen the film yourselves now. What was that like when it, when it all sort of came together um, and, and you watched it for the first time? Um, 
it's interesting when you're working with a film, you're living with the footage and, you know, the content for so long that you, you almost, it never feels finished. You know, I was, and in, in that, that can be a good thing, um, but also it can be, you know, a not so good thing. Um, when you, when you, but it, it was just what was really beautiful was watching it with David for the first time. And, you know, he was, um, he was quite moved by it, I mm. think. How long did it take you to actually put together, Lee? We were following David and Walter on and off for about six months, but the whole project in total has taken nearly five years to sort of get to this point. So it's been a real labour of love yeah. for everyone involved. How are you feeling about um, the general public seeing it and, uh, it, you know, obviously watching it for the first time and you know, the feedback that they're, they're going to give? Really excited. Obviously, when you have a, you know, it's like having a child, I suppose, you know, you, you birth this thing into the world and, and there's a certain amount of trepidation. Mm. But I'm really excited to share David's story and for David to get the recognition mm. that he deserves, really. You know, it's, we hope we've preserved a piece of queer history um, and, you know, I'm really excited that people are finally going to get to see it. What's the release date, Lee, and um, where can people see it? It's going to be released on August the 5th. Um, it will have um, a cinema release, which we're really excited about, with further details to follow. Um, and you can find all the details on our Facebook page or on our Twitter account, which is at Maisie Trollette. Fantastic. I think it's going to be very well received and I'm so glad it's it has been that five year labour of love. Uh, it sounds that, you know, there's so much passion that goes on there when putting something so creative together. And I think any form of queer history um, in any kind of medium is is never going to not be needed. So I'm I'm really excited. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Lee. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time and break a leg. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Nicely sampled that one. Uh, you might remember the original. Uh, but I that's do. actually 21 Reasons. Uh, that's by Ella Han- uh, Henderson. Make sure I say it right. <laughs> uh, should be up your street, that one. It's alright. Yeah. yeah, I'm just alright. Tell me Ella Henderson, you know. <laughs> Well, it's not. It didn't make me vibrate off my seat. No. But it's it's okay. Okay? And I'm not going to give it five. I'll probably give it three. Okay. <laughs> Is that a hit or a miss? I think for me, it's a, we haven't got the buzzer and the bell, have we? Um, <laughs> um, what was her name? Ella Henderson, I no, told you. No, not the sick... <laughs> The, the the girl who used to um, give it five. I'll give it five. What was it? Oh. Before my time, staff. I know it's before your time, before but you time. are. It was. I mean, you're all about no, the hit parade, and this <laughs> this was three people on either side. It was the hit parade? They played music, and they either give it. They a hit chose or a whether miss. it was going to be a hit or a miss. Yes. The early days of the BBC doing pop yeah. music broadcasting. That's going to annoy me now. Not remember. Yeah. Name. Do you, you want to borrow my laptop and Google it? We'll I've Google it. The other search uh, engines are available. They are. Yeah. <laughs> I've got. A However, there is only one Terry with the news ah. <laughs> <laughs> this
This is Shout Out News on Thursday the 21st of July. Pink News reports that the celebrated drag queen Ada HD, who has already been subject to personal attacks on social media, has very narrow, narrowly avoided being assaulted by far-right-wing thugs who attended one of the Drag Queen Story Hour events that Ada helped set up. The event took place in Reading. The neo-Nazis were small in number, estimated by journalists at around 25, but were noisy, shouting abuse at parents and children entering the library. Even though their actions were clearly alarming, Alarming families attending the event, causing children to scream in distress, the Nazis heckled and abused and then broke into the auditorium, screaming abuse at families and appalled library staff who alerted security. Ada HD thanked the police for their swift and decisive response, but it was telling that after restraining the anti-gay extremists, the police themselves were attacked by the neo-Nazis who accused them of being pedo-police. This slur is a trope amongst the far right in the US and popular with groups so fringe that they want to kill police officers as well as minority groups. Analysts who monitor the activities of far-right wingers have noted that after the electoral collapse of such groups as the British National Party, the extreme right has turned to street-based violence and trying to directly intimidate its opponents. The murder of MP Joe Cox, harassment of trade union bookstores abusive threats to African-Caribbean businesses and threats to Islamic centres are all part of the same phenomenon, along with the attack on Ada HD. Online, many people condemned the Nazi groups behind the invasion of the library. One commentator noted that in at least three recent court cases against violent far-right wingers, images of extreme and violent porn had also been found on their phones. It's the fascist imbeciles who are the real threat to kids, not a bunch of drag queens in libraries, they quipped. For people wanting to understand more about the threat to democracy from these extreme groups, there are numerous groups, including the magazine Searchlight, analysing the situation, the network Hope Not Hate and local anti-fascist organisations. Ireland's Trans and Intersex Pride event took place on the 17th of July and saw around 2,000 people march through Dublin city centre. Pink News reports that the march saw a high degree of social solidarity with the whole of the LGBTQIA community, groups such as the Lesbian Line Switchboard having a contingent and political organisations, including the anti-capitalist left, Amnesty International and Sinn Féin also being represented on the diverse demonstration. Placards and chants included one critical of the Irish public broadcaster RTE, which has fallen out of favour after platforming anti-trans extremists, even though these people constitute a tiny minority of Irish public opinion. The Dublin Pride organisation has already severed coverage rights with RTE in protest at this. And as Ireland celebrated Traveller Pride Week, Mary MacDonald of the National Action Group for LGBT plus Traveller and Roma rights spoke on the need to protect young queer members of these communities too. Bristol Pride have been in touch with their supporters two weeks after the hugely successful return of the event after the COVID-19 enforced hiatus. The organisers say that it is time to learn what the community wants for future Prides and what was successful this time round. They say, it was a very special festival and we want to say thank you to all of you for supporting us. It was incredible to see so many of you joining us for the Pride Day 
and the Pride March which filled the city streets with pride and joy. It's also our moment to take a stand against prejudice and hatred, to celebrate our community and also to keep fighting for equality for us all. As an organisation, we'll be keeping to do that all year round as well. Their survey will be mailed out to everyone on their mailing list. Meanwhile, the date for next year's main festival event has been announced as Saturday the 8th of July 2023. West Country LGBTQIA activists have expressed their thanks to the local anarchist newspaper The Bristolian for unmasking homophobia behind a local and minor church. The Bristolian is a paper with a scabrous sense of humour and takes its slogan from an early 19th century radical magazine which described itself as smiter of the high and mighty. The Bristolian says that Hope Church in the Clifton area of the city is operated by people to whom the mayor of Bristol, Marvin Rees, is close politically. The paper then goes on to reveal that homophobic positions held by the church, which it needs to be stated does not at all speak for all Christians. During the recent Pride Festival, there were anti-gay Christians handing out leaflets before showing cowardice and running into the crowds of Saturday shoppers, but many progressive Christians marched in solidarity with Pride. Meanwhile, the Bristolian newspaper is free in the city and available from numerous venues across Bristol, including the gay-run pub The Old Market Tavern. In Ireland, Pride Vibes is a new online radio station that has started streaming to the web out of Dublin. The station is owned by Wireless Ireland, a company that already operates several local radio services in the Republic. The station says that it aims to be more than just a music network and will provide features and shorts on LGBTQIA history and culture in conjunction with the long-standing gay community news portal. And finally, LGBTQIA pagans will be sending their greetings early this coming week as the Festival of Lunasad, sometimes called Lamas, is reached. Many LGBTQIA people make their spiritual homes in ancient pagan practices and this support is often reciprocated. For example, a new promotion airing on the US-based pagan radio network, thecauldron.net, urges listeners to consider the gross inequalities that LGBTQIA people in the States still have to contend with. So, what is Lou Nassana? Uh, the Glastonbury-based pagan bookstore Goddess of the Green Man explains that this festival is the celebration of the first grain harvest, a time for gathering in and giving thanks for abundance. It is also the great festival of Lug, the great Celtic sun king of God of Light. August is his sacred month. But underlying this is the knowledge that the bounty and energy of the sun is now beginning to wane. It's a time of change, active growth is slowing down, and the darker days of winter and reflection are beckoning us. For followers of goddess-based pagan religions, which include many lesbian women, at Lamas the goddess is in her aspect as the grain mother, harvest mother, harvest queen, earth mother, or in old parlance, Ceres and Demeter. However you celebrate, if you celebrate, we wish you a very pleasant festival and enjoy yourselves. For these news stories and more, we update our website every day. Please pop along to shoutoutradio.lgbt. And for shoutout news, I've been Terry Starr. Shoutout news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you.
The Shout Out Podcast. That's a Tom Grennan all these nights. That was very pleasant, yeah. That was melodic. Melodic. That was was playing. That is a melodic That's a good M word there. Is no music melodic? By definition? (laughs) You haven't heard some punk, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, Terry. (laughs) Also, my brother likes thrash metal. Oh, does he? It's very interesting. That explains it's some, of, that some of the news coming from under your stairs. It's some of the noises that come from my mansion house, <laughs> my gothic mansion. Yes. With thrash metal playing. Indeed. Yes. Um, before now, we uh, crash into Newsmag, yes. um, anyone who um, watches uh, Netflix Sex Education, oh, brilliant. they're getting ready to do season four. And if you would like to appear on the show, <gasps> I know, right? And be paid. And be paid. To appear in season four, you need to get your bum down to the station at Bristol, which was the old fire station. It's now home to one of our um, stations, uh, well, BCFM sister station, Ujima. Mm-hmm. We're not on it. Just saying. Just saying. Hashtag, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, Hashtag um, so it's at the station yeah. in the centre of Bristol, August the 5th. From midday to 7pm That's going to be You haven't got to wear anything special Just turn up and be ready to perform Well, don't ask me why Because I don't know why But um, on the article I read It said um, people have been advised not to wear white Yes, well you can wear any colour but white Yeah Yes Okay Well picked up Mr (laughs) Shilton I wondered why you were here (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's great news Yeah, so it doesn't have to be people from Bristol by the way No, it just happens to be the the auditions Out of town, yeah And because they're going to be doing some of the filming in Bristol So I guess they might be looking for Bristolian accents What do you think? I mm. think that's superb, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Are the good people. There's not Bristol many left, is no. there, with Bristolian accents? I, I just got visions of you pushing your way to the front of the front of the queue. Well, I'll just <laughs> tell him I'm heading to a gym where we press pass, and then um, oh look, I'm at the head <laughs> of the queue. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. It is a very, it is a very good series. Mm. So it's brilliant. Um, yeah. I mean, if, it. it is kind of a mickey take out of everything <laughs> so for the for those that are a bit more into the bdsm um seed might might find it a little bit kind of um <laughs> tongue-in-cheek not quite reflective but it's, it's you know it's, it's, yeah. it's who cares it's, yeah it's, no, it's a very indeed. funny series do you know talking of popular culture and lgbtqia plus culture i found in my local asda was selling all the series of the heart stopper range of books oh. boy, boy meets boy boy falls in love okay all of them are available on the special stand and I thought Careful. my gosh don't in the it. suburbs as well that's don't, superb don't say it too loud mm. there'll be people out the front picketing <laughs> yeah well, where, where, I hope where, not where I was this not. this is in my local branch of Asda oh okay. yeah good so, on Asda okay. yeah good on Asda South Bristol wow yeah. that's brave <laughs> It's not that bad in South <laughs> I have to say. Well, you so. see a lot of cars with cages over their windscreens. Apologies to anyone from South Bristol. Let us we love you. Care of BCF. <laughs> Just messing. She's from the other side of the city. Yeah. That's yeah. why. <laughs> well, I was side. dragged up in Lawrence West. <laughs> <laughs> partially, and then dragged up for the rest of my life in Sharehampton. <laughs> that explains. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, this is the point.
point in the show where we um, hand over to Terry for News Extra, where we take some of the stories we, we talked about in the news and we go into a bit more depth and kind of have a conversation about them normally, we don't do, we? Yeah. So what, what are we doing this well, week? Well, we're going to start with something that broke today, which Steph has more details of, actually. I thought you were going to say Steph broke today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am broke. Steph found that she was broke today. Uh, It's a newsflash, by the way. Uh, So here's my bank details. We were on pay money in. Um, Um, So we've got two sides of this. The closure um, of the Tavistock in Portman, um, which deals with trans youth. Yeah, the Young People's Gender Identity Clinic. and has been for many, many years. So it's all according. The right-wing press are saying this is brilliant. It's closed down and about time because they were torturing you know trans youth um, but on the um, Gay Times reported and, and had more of a, a level and balanced item well, to course. say that yes yeah. it's closing down it had, but they're opening up one they are they are opening clinics mm. uh, two of them to start with so that it's spread more throughout the country um, and because uh, hasn't it been one of the big issues is the fact that they're, they're so oversubscribed you know if Indeed. you if you can't get in trans you yeah, you yeah. Just, which is terrible because it, it's yeah. led to all kinds of things like yeah. um, you know young people committing suicide. Yeah. Like, because they're not able to. Well, we're just get lucky the help that they need. Organisations like Mermaids mm. who are there to support, and there's mm. not just Mermaids, but there are a few other smaller ones. Mermaids is probably the most well known so, and, and so the biggest. Yeah, absolutely. And when we so when we take the sort of level-headed view as you said that Gay Times took, we actually learn that it's nothing to do with oh you know dreadful trans clinic being shut down it's a streamlining of nhs services to provide a better the tavistock have said they've taken heed of uh, the report that came out um, mm. so they're going to close that down open uh, um they're going to open it and connect it to mental health services so for those mm. teenagers um growing up who who for, for some reason uh, think they're gender dysphoric and maybe because it's social media they'll have somebody to chat to they'll, so so can, they'll can, be can, can we because our, our our job is always to try and get the correct news out there can we Absolutely. can we have a discussion quickly and dispel some of the myths that we've seen put in the papers the, the classic one being um if we put you on um puberty blockers it's the end of the world seems to be like what some of the press are going at yeah which is not yeah, true is it that. no well as far as i'm aware that um, they've been doing this for for years um and as as far as i'm aware that's the safest way to go because you imagine the stress of a young kid who's got gender dysphoria um and not knowing where to go and frightened to death of puberty I mean, that, mm. that is a fear factor. I mm. had to do that. But, of course, there wasn't anything around yeah. when I was growing up. So, But at least there is now. So so you can, um, you so can what, make What use is the idea of them, then? That it's, to, it's to stop you from... Stop puberty. So it, it would pauses stop. it, doesn't it? It I does. Think it's, it's, that's oh, the yeah. If you does come off it, you yeah, will go through puberty. Continues. This idea that it sterilises yeah. young people. So is, it gives a pause yeah, yeah. so people can chat to um, those who are helping them, or, you know, or, psychiatrists. Yeah. Is it also so that is it also so that they can then mature enough to make the correct decision? Is that part of it too? Um, I'm not sure if it's the correct decision. I guess all of that is part of it, mm. but at least the fear for a young trans youth is to have facial hair or to have breasts growing. Um, mm. 
Uh, and that is, uh, and especially like for myself, it was facial hair which goes through puberty. It's like really difficult to get to get rid of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're um, a trans boy, the last thing you want is is breast growing. I mean, if you've got gender dysphoria and body dysmorphia, then you're going to be freaking out. So this is this saves a lot of kids from going through stresses and strains. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and allows the correct decisions. I mean that. That was the point I was trying to get across because there are a lot of people that think that you know, give, giving youngsters these drugs is like really detrimental, and it's not all you're doing is pausing that transition. I don't yeah. mean transition, you know, what, you know what I mean. Transition but, to puberty. Yeah, yeah, through, yeah. through puberty so yeah, that yeah. the correct decision and the correct help can be given. Indeed. And if, it it's, if it is yeah. determined that that yeah. person doesn't need to transition because they're not actually trans you just stop taking the, no, the pills and then they tra- and then they go through puberty don't one they? thing that um the tavistock has said it will also do is look at um, um any side effects and anything that's happened so they're going to study um trans youth with puberty blockers and see mm. if there is any any detrimental uh, things that happen but certainly the, according the to all moment, the scientific research there's a moment there does or it's very mild mm. um, but that's probably the lesser of the evils than than suicide self-harming absolutely and yes. the utter stress that somebody who's which trans is, goes is, through through puberty it's, yeah. it's interesting did they do that kind of study into why people are gay or did it just become an accepted thing because i didn't think that they well, there's always been different theories, and uh, there still are because well, the theory nobody knows. Nobody knows. But did what. any? But did you have to go through um, a psychiatric? Uh, no, indeed th- not. Yeah, no, no, no. absolutely. That's, so that's why. If you're trans, you have to jump tra- jump through hoops. Yeah. That's right. And that's you know, I was grilled for for a few years yeah. by a psychiatrist that I had to pay for in London that cost an absolute fortune. Yeah. Um, then there's laser treatment to get rid of facial hair. Yeah. It costs, and all that is just stress you know yes, and course. and i knew who i was at uh, three four years old yeah. you know and and that's, that's where a lot of gay people will say they also you know yes. use indeed gay. Yeah. A but obviously the as you say you know for trans people the the journey is different it is but that's There's not a lot more hoops to jump through there are and, and you know on one level sexuality and gender are different as as the movement is made yes. clear but as yeah. peter tatchell says we are stronger together all of us Indeed. in minority groups are stronger oh, there's no, there's together, no whether that. we're a gay man no. or a trans woman no. or but i'm, I'm all men yeah. i'm all men you know but, but there's so there's so much misinformation out there and shout out job has always been to try and Absolutely. give people the correct inf- information i'm just mm. trying to think through you know some of the stupid things we've seen and i, I read it and i'm just like why would you even think that? You know, um, but it I doesn't. Guess I mean, the argument. even down to like the, the recent thing that we've had with, um, you know, Drag Queen Story Hour. Yeah, all they're doing attack. is reading, reading a story. And yeah, there's all these yeah. people like having a major go, saying, "Oh, stop sexualising kids, blah blah blah." And well, you know, and called, calling the drag queen a paedophile. Well, yes, and and all of that, and Thank saying, you know, you're 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 putting all of this into children's stories. It's like, have you ever been to a pantomime? Mm. It's been going to them for decades. (laughs) It's exactly the same thing. And, of course, every single, you know, um, cartoon film, Disney, the big classics of it, always have the man and the woman fall in love and the princess marries the prince and and the like. It's, it's, you know, so it's all... Binary. Binary. Yeah. Yeah. It's all... Yeah, Yeah. very binary. Yeah, it's... um, 
it's quite sad when you look at the the right-wing press and people like jk rowling and that they put so much emphasis on on sex on how you're born at birth but not taking any account of who you are yeah i mean obviously jk rowling was born to be a bigot and a nasty piece of work well i think i mean i think in in rowling's case it's as the, as the the acclaimed feminist Roxanne Gay has said. You know what she has done is she's got a personal, obviously, trauma around mm. um, sexual abuse, and she's turned that into a great political point. She has hatred, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and Judith Butler has made the same. You know, and it's very mm. important to say most feminists are totally in favour of trans yeah. civil rights. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's true. only a very yeah. small minority mm. who arguably aren't even feminists in the true sense of the word. Mm. So yeah. I prefer to emphasise, as I say, people like Judith Butler and so on, who have always been very, very tolerant. And, mm. you know. and did I did I read somewhere correctly that also even the, the government have been called out and said stop, stop hiding behind trans issues and get on with the yeah. the, the, well, the rest the of the economy, the, the economy yeah, yeah. and the like. Somebody at uh, Brighton uh, Trans and Intersect Pride the other week had a placard or banner saying, you know, it would be really groovy if you people in power started looking at climate change instead of worrying about what's in people's knickers yeah which is uh, a completely different subject but i mean given the heat waves we're going through and all the destruction how you can deny that global warming exists i don't know and and i i won't deny, i'd much rather they concentrated on that and left people to you know be themselves and let them be themselves when but, you think what a small part of the population the trans community is well, yeah, it's so yeah. tiny, and uh, they were they using it like to pick themselves up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it just but became I mean, they, the main issue for the Tories, uh, front runners. They, they still haven't cleared up um, a, a lot of other equality things. Like I'm, I'm married to my husband, as you know, Carl. Um, at the moment, by law. I could technically cheat on him with as many men as I like, and he can't divorce me because the law states it must be with a woman. Yes, it's yeah. never been changed and apparently the reason i don't know how true this is but the reason was because they couldn't bring themselves to talk about it <laughs> which i just find hilarious <laughs> and it also that also raises other issues that might be relevant to the community such as the n- number of people in in open relationships which does happen you know mm. quite a few yes. gay male couples i know are in open relationships um yes. that's just and there are a few thing. straight couples as and well. indeed you know. lots of heterosexuals as well anyway I think going back to the, the issue with Tavistock yeah. I th- for me personally I'm hoping that by ending up with more regional more clinics, clinics yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean more people can get the right help that they need and um, you know yeah. that huge great backlog and all the issues that that's causing will mm. start to disappear and, and I didn't know that until you said that they're also joining up with mental health services I think that's that's wonderful because mm. I think that's something that and having known you for as many years as I have um, I know it was a real trauma for you um, and it got to a point where if you didn't transition you were you know, you may not even be here with us. So, you know, no. I dread to think of kids going through that too, yeah. so they can get that kind yeah. of help. That's brilliant. Indeed. You're going to make me cry in a minute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we do actually love each other as much as we Absolutely. take the mickey out. Each other on, we on all, it. Well, it's like, it's like drag queens, isn't it? Well, I mean, one drag queen said, you know, we only insult people that we really like. Yes. <laughs> when we're, true, when we're actually, we Brits, actually really like The Brits like do that so well. If and we, the closer you get to someone, the worse it gets. Yeah. The yes. abuse. Yes. <laughs> And if we don't like you, we just ignore you. Yeah, that's, so yes. that's, that's, <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. 
Right, what's next, Terry? Well, well you say that, you've got a minute. So. I was going to say, the Daily Mail, I noticed, was getting its knickers in a twist about archaeologists calling them woke warriors because some archaeologists are saying, we've got to be careful when we gender skeletons. And, I, I mean, as with most things in the Daily Mail, this was fabricated and distorted out of all proportion. The fact really? is... Really? you surprised. With, <laughs> <laughs> with many <coughs> skeletons... Of course, um, from archaeology that have been dug up, it's actually very dif- difficult to gender a skeleton. Did you know that? I'm not they, surprised, they, but they, I'm they never going to look at Halloween in the same they way again. They tend to look at brow ridges, which tend yes. to be thicker in men, yeah. but not necessarily, and also mm. the pelvis, not necessarily. The Red Lady of Paviland, who is a very ancient 28,000-year-old skeleton found in West Wales, is not a lady at all, but she's retained the name. No. <laughs> they actually found it's a young man, So, <laughs> but by DNA analysis. Mm. So often... Oh, can they do it by DNA? That would be well. If it survives, yes. So um, that's what I believe it was done by DNA. Actually, with the Red Lady of Pavel, maybe an archaeologist can write in and put us straight. But oh, you want to be straight? No, no, (laughs) not at all. But you know what I mean. So there we are. Archaeology difficult to gender skeletons. Uh, Anyway, that's it for another week. Remember, all our shows are available as podcasts on all good podcasting services, or of course uh, on our own website. Catch up on the episodes of Shout Out you've missed at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Uh, we'll be back at the same time, same place next week, but from myself, from Terry and Steph. Bye now. Bye. See you then. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Shout out. LGBT radio for you.